What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, we are off and running on a conference championship edition of What's the Spread? Miles on Sports here, Mr. Brad Thomas. We finally made it, my friend. One of the best days of the year. Ten conference championship wow. games starting at noon, going into the wee hours of the morning. It can't get any better <laughs> than this right here. Miles, I'm a, you know, it's a bittersweet moment. You know, like everyone knows how much. I think we said it. We beat the dead horse of how much we love this weekend. Yeah. But this is like almost the culmination of college football. Uh, yesterday I was sitting inside the bowl selection committee and, and just thinking about how grateful I am for a fun uh, college football season. It probably wasn't my best from a statistical standpoint, uh, you know, but it was amazing to have the fans back in the stadiums, to be able to go back to college football games. And now all the hard work that a uh, few of the teams, what, 20 of the teams have put in this season is going to be rewarded with a chance for their fans to travel and watch them play and represent their conference. Yeah, and it was great to see all the parody in college football this year and yes. have, you know, uh, coming to this day, such a tight ending here where so many things can still happen. Uh, we got a group of five team that might have a playoff berth on the line, which I never thought I would see. <laughs> um, I said it would never happen, but here we are. Uh, let's go ahead and see where we have these teams ranked at this point. I'll go ahead and kick it off. Um, I'll give you my top four. I'll give you my first cool. two out. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, I matched the committee in my first three. Georgia number one, Michigan, very deserving of a number two spot. Oh, yes. They looked every bit of the number two team in the country, uh, finally getting their win against Ohio State. And then I've got Alabama at three after that thrilling victory over Auburn, but definitely Ooh. a look ahead spot uh, for the Crimson Tide there. And then at number four, I've got Oklahoma State. Uh, as long as Oklahoma State wins the Big 12 championship and comes away from that 12 and one, they are my fourth team. Um, and I will keep Cincinnati out of my playoff as long as there is a one-loss Big 12 champion, especially considering the fact that Oklahoma State, down 33-24 in that fourth quarter last weekend against Oklahoma, gets a big win. Uh, another tough Baylor team this weekend. Yep. I think that they would deserve the spot, but that's just where I'm at. Now, I will say my first two out, I've got Cincinnati at number uh, five, and I got Notre Dame at number six. But let me just say, if – there is a chance that Notre Dame gets in. I'm putting a two-loss conference champion over Notre Dame. So, and I'm even talking about Iowa. Like, it, let's yeah. say Iowa wins the Big Ten, and it's between Notre Dame and you know Iowa and Ohio State. And you know, so, at that point, I'm giving Cincinnati the nod. But let's say Baylor wins, right? Let's say Oklahoma yeah. State gets knocked out and Baylor wins the Big Twelve championship, and it's between Notre Dame and Baylor. I want to give it to Baylor. Now, I, it won't happen. It'll yeah. probably go to Notre Dame, but I just think at this point in the season, Notre Dame has a bye week on the most important weekend of college football. I don't think they should be anywhere near the college football playoff right now. Um, but that's just where I'm at. I still have them at number six because they're sitting at 11-1. and one. Obviously, the departure of Brian Kelly shakes things up there, but that's where I'm at. So let's see who you got for your top four. Uh, I'm not even going to put any suspense behind it. Mine is the exact same spot for spot yeah um and the only thing i wanted to say was man i thought that you might have snuck cincinnati in but i just can't rationalize if oklahoma state wins mind you they've beaten baylor twice this season now they've knocked off oklahoma they've knocked off texas which is still a tough game but i believe they played them uh on the road 
they have very good schedule. And losing one game, I'm not going to hold that against them. And Cincinnati literally is going to have, what, that top 10 win over Notre Dame, and that's it. Or a conference championship against a top 25 team, that's it, you know? I, I can't – I can't – What like when some people are saying, like, you're punishing Cincinnati for playing in the, in the group of five, but no, we're not punishing Cincinnati. We're rewarding Oklahoma State. For playing yeah. a tremendous schedule, getting quality wins. Yes, they had one blemish. But when listen, it's like when you're playing Russian roulette. When Cincinnati only has two two bullets in the chamber, and that's when they play Notre Dame and they play Houston. If they survive after spinning that barrel, spinning the revolver, sure. But if the whole chamber's full except one bullet, and you die one time. That's basically what it's like to me, and it's a harsh analogy, but it's the easiest way to put it. That I don't care if you go undefeated when you're playing a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah, and let's say that Clemson was sitting at 11-1, and one, right? They would be a consensus top four pick over yes. at Cincinnati. So why is Oklahoma State any different? Yep. They have put together one of the best seasons in program history in a Power 5 Big 12 conference that was very competitive this year. They already have a win against Baylor. If they beat them again, I think that they're every bit – now, I'm not saying that Cincinnati is not. I'm just saying that at that point, I think Oklahoma State is more deserving as a 12-1 and one Power yes. 5 champion. Agreed. Now, if, now, if Oklahoma State can't get it done – then let's put Cincinnati in the playoff. Absolutely. Yep. Let's let's get them in there. Cincinnati takes care of business, you know, runs a table at 13-0. As long as there's not a one-loss Power 5 champion sitting there, then I'm fine with putting Cincinnati in that top four. It'd be egregious if Oklahoma State runs the table and Cincinnati makes it to the playoffs. Yeah, I just and I just can't fathom that, where if they get wins against Oklahoma and Baylor in back-to-back weeks, I mean, who did Cincinnati beat last week? ECU? Who was it the week before that? Houston is a tough team, and we're going to talk about that game today. But overall, the schedule just wasn't there. Yep. All right, so let's uh, run into the SEC championship where we have the number one Georgia Bulldogs laying six and a half versus the Alabama Crimson Tide, 4 p.m. kickoff. Miles, go ahead and start this one off. All right, so it's the first time in, what, six years that Alabama has been an underdog in a game, which is just (laughs) unfathomable to think about. Uh, I'm taking Georgia here minus six and a half, and and I have a very specific reason. It it really goes along with what I saw last weekend in that Ohio State Michigan game, where the Michigan defense just completely took over the game on the defensive line, and they turned C.J. Stroud, who was the Heisman front runner, uh, you know, running he he was running for his life the entire game. The Ohio State offense couldn't get a rhythm going. The reason that I bring that game up is because Georgia's got the best defense in the country, yeah. and now I'm really starting to wonder because I've been asking it all year. And, and Brad, I said all year that Bama was going to win this game, but I'm shook to my core after that Ohio State-Michigan game, and I'm questioning everything I thought I knew about college football, all right? I'm still trying to get over this thing. But seriously, this Georgia defense, I mean, 6.9 points per game. They're 10-5 and five against the spread in their last 15, dating back to last year. It's, it's going to come down to who is more dominant up front. Yeah. And I, you know, just – I. It, I think for last uh, last week, it was a look-ahead game for Alabama. It was a hard-fought win, an unbelievable drive, unbelievable Whoa. drive by Bryce Young My God. Uh, at, at the end of that game to tie it up. Just unreal. But the fact that they just couldn't get anything going uh, for that entire game against that Auburn defense. And listen, Saban's going to have the game plan. Uh, it's it's going to be there. I'm not saying that Bama doesn't have a shot to win this game, but I'm going to take the Georgia cover here because I feel like I have to because I think that they're going to show that their dominant defense is every bit deserving of their number one ranking. Miles, I'm going to have to uh, resend my invite uh, to the <laughs> SEC championship at my parents' house. No, I'm totally, just, I'm totally kidding. Listen, I'm yeah. about to say everything that goes against everything that I believe in. 
I'm about to back the biggest public favorite out of all 10 games. And I, yes, I am backing the Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of this has to do with Georgia's defense. You already alluded to it. Six points per game allowed. You know, they're eight and four against the spread this season. And the games that they didn't cover were like monster spreads, like 20 point spreads, 19 point spreads against Alabama. And in, and for Alabama on the Alabama side, it takes a lot for me to want to bet on Alabama to lose. And I've watched every Alabama game with my head in my hands wondering, man, how can Bill O'Brien still have a job? I think at one point in one game, I said, is it possible to fire a coach in the middle of the game? One thing that's translated from Bill O'Brien's time at the Texans to his time to Alabama is his inability to adapt to a team who's getting home and to his quarterback. Um, Alabama's offensive line is banged up as, as all get out. Yes. If yep. you are a good offensive coordinator, uh, a prof- like it's hard to replace Sarkeesian, but like let's say you're a Sarkeesian. You're going to move the pocket. You're going to do things to get to get the defensive line not be able to go north and south. You want them to go uh, east and west. But we don't we don't do that, you know. And I, I don't think that Alabama will be able to muster enough drives to stay competitive in this game. It's going to be fun to start off, but it's just going to be wearing down. Bryce is going to be – he's a pressure in his face all time. And, and, you know, I think the only thing that really changes this game, it, the only way we have a chance to win this game – and I mean, I've said I have actually I have two. Number one would be Jamison Williams has just an all-out 200 all-purpose yard game, uh, kickoff return touchdown game where he is changing that dynamic and and kind of taking out the fear of that Georgia defense. And a lot of teams are afraid of it, and rightfully so. And I think that the Alabama no. offensive line will be the second way. I think that Alabama um, can has a chance in this offensively versus that defense. Alabama has two players that are vastly unknown even shoot even to me as an Alabama guy we have a wide receiver who will probably be stepping up big after he had huge last drive last game and then Trey and then Trey Sanders we don't know what we're getting from him Brian Robinson likely will be hurt not 100% and we haven't had the opportunity to see Trey Sanders former number one running back in the country uh in high school so those are the two question marks but I I, I, like even if Alabama wins even if Alabama covers it's not going to be easy, and I would not regret backing the Bulldogs at minus six and a half. Yeah, and I think we're on the same page there, and we're seeing the same thing from this Alabama team, that that offensive line is just – it seems to be a mess right now. And, yeah. and I just feel like that Georgia front seven is just licking their chops. And Bryce Young's got all the talent. Uh, we know that he can make plays. You, you mentioned Jamison Williams. He could definitely be an X factor. But the way this Georgia defense has just played so consistently from beginning to end, uh, it's, just, it's just hard to believe that Bama's going to be able to get – enough consistent drives against yep. them to stay competitive in this game. Um, so I think we're on the same page there. But, hey, rooting for you, buddy. It's a big one. <laughs> I'm going to be All rooting. Right. I'm going to have my money on Georgia and be rooting for Alabama because, you know what, <laughs> like it, it's a win-win. I either win money or I win, uh, win a chip to the playoffs. There you go. All right, so let's go ahead and roll into the Big Ten Championship game. It is my absolute favorite game of the year. It doesn't matter if Ohio State's playing in it or not. It breaks my heart that Ohio State is not in Indianapolis this year, but the fact that Iowa hasn't been to the Big Ten Championship since 2015, this is Michigan's first trip to the Big Ten Championship. I am so excited for this matchup. Michigan, 10 and a half point favorites in this one. It is number two versus number 13. I'll let you start on this one. Miles, at no point after the embarrassing Iowa loss did I think that I'd have a chance to cash an Iowa Big Ten ticket yeah. at the end of the season. But here we are. 
and I have a nice little, I think I have 50 or 50 to 100 bucks on it, uh, somewhere around plus 1200 bucks. So to be a nice thousand dollars, um, you know, dropped into my lap, <laughs> but anyway, sorry, I'm going to back the Wolverines. Um, uh, you know, I think that Iowa does have the upper hand in their very stout run defense, which can limit Michigan, but what Michigan proved to be their bread and butter. And this has been even, it even happened in the Michigan state game in a game where, where, you know, they lost. Um, they are able to get home on the quarterback. Aiden Hutchinson, 16, I mean, 13 sacks. He He's second in the country in 68 quarterback pressures. And, you know, what, what this game kind of reminds me of is the Wisconsin game. When Iowa played Wisconsin, um, they played both Petrus and Padilla in that game, and neither were good under pressure, and neither are good under pressure. Like, even in that uh, Nebraska game, Iowa, when they were getting pressure on Padilla before they benched him, it was god-awful. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't mind laying the 10 and a half because I think it's going to be a 14 point game. Michigan is the number one team against the spread. Um, and they, and they are number one, um, uh, in covering the spread. And what I mean by that is margin of victory, uh, over, uh, points to the spread. So <laughs> I know I just said a lot of mouthful, but I, I'm going to back, go ahead and back this team here with McNamara and Haskins, this elite rushing attack. Yeah. Haskins had a performance for the ages last yeah. weekend, uh, with five touchdowns against Ohio state. Uh, you know, I, I think for this for this matchup, I think that this is actually – hindsight's 50-50. But this is a tougher matchup for Michigan than yes. Ohio State was because Iowa plays a Michigan style of football. They've been playing it longer, and you could argue that they play it better. They know how to be physical up front. I'd like Iowa here plus 10.5 for a couple of reasons. Number one, the line opened at Michigan minus 8.5. So I yeah. feel like I'm getting a little bit of value here with Iowa uh, at double digits. And, again, I like the matchup. Now, I'm not speaking highly of Iowa's offense ever uh, because they are awful. Uh, but their defense can make an impact, only allowing 105.8 rushing yards per game. Again, this that's something that Ohio State just had no chance of stopping. We were not physical enough up front to stop that attack. But if Iowa can keep this a classic Big Ten championship, let's go back to 2015 when it was like a 15-10 game against Michigan State uh, in Iowa in that title game. That's the kind of game that they need here. But I just feel like they can match up to Michigan up front. They and I do. feel like that's what's going to be so important on a neutral field. It's going to be rocking, sold out uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Both teams are going to show up for this one. And also Iowa, from a betting perspective, in their last seven as a betting underdog, they're 5-1-1 one, one against the spread with four outright upsets. And this is neutral field action. But Tyler Goodson for Iowa is the key to their cover here. Because as you mentioned, they don't have any way to move the ball through the air. Yeah. And they won't. But if they can find a running game and limit the possessions for Michigan, I think that this is a much tougher matchup than Ohio State was for Michigan, especially with a championship on the line. So with double digits, I'll back Iowa. Yeah, I, I was kind of where you were at um, for the gameplay of how the game would go down, especially from a being able to limit them standpoint. But then I just keep remembering, man, Iowa – in every game that I've seen them be competitive, it's been their defense that's yeah. caused turnovers. And I don't think Michigan's going to cause a lot of turnovers. So we'll see what happens there. I'm going to go, I'm okay with laying the 10 and a half points. I think they, I think this is a big win for Michigan. I think this is a program divining moment yeah. for Harbaugh. So yeah. that Ohio State was already good enough, but I think this is going to get even better. You got to finish it. I mean, yes. if you're, if you're Jim Harbaugh, that's, that's, that's good and great, but this is modern college football. You got to finish it. I can't wait for that one. 
All right, let's go ahead and move over into the Big 12 Championship. This is a top 10 matchup. Number nine, Baylor. Number five, Oklahoma State. This is a noon kick. Uh, I believe they still play this in Dallas. Um, Oklahoma State, five and a half point favorites coming off their huge win against Oklahoma. I'm back in Oklahoma State here, minus five and a half. You know, I, I alluded to it in the beginning of the show. I think that they win this game, and I think that they're going to be deserving of a playoff spot. Now, the line opened at six and a half. So, again, I, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of value there. Going back, and by the way, we're going to see a lot of rematches today yes. on this show. So, <laughs> going back to their uh, matchup earlier in the year, Oklahoma State wins that game 24 to 14. I think we're going to see a very similar game. But Spencer Sanders cannot turn the ball over. Yes. He threw three picks in that game against Baylor, and they still won. He threw two interceptions last week. Now, Spencer Sanders was the reason that they ended up coming back and winning that game, but he cannot turn the ball over. Baylor is going to feed on those turnovers if he does that, but he was so good uh, in that Oklahoma game last week. He had 93 yards on the ground. He was really good through the air. I was, I mean, that's the Spencer Sanders we've been waiting to see. I think that's the one that we see again. Five and a half is a lot of points because it's a really good Baylor team, but yeah. I'm going to back the Cowboys. I'm back in the Bears. I'm not even going to pretend. Uh, listen, I've heard so many freaking analysts say, well, you know, Sanders turned the ball over three times and they still were able to win and cover in the last game. Yes, at home, big difference. Yeah. This Baylor team is, man, over Aranda is is aggressive defensively. You know, you would have thought that how, how long ago was it been that we had a, a good, aggressive Baylor defense only allowing 19 points per game? Excuse me, I missed said that, 17 points per game. I think that their offense has to be better. If they can turn Sanders over and sustain drives, then they will have they'll be able to cover this game. I think that I, I think I wrote something around like I think I wrote it down somewhere where I said this is a field goal game. Um, people are saying that you know Sanders will be better. Sanders will be better, but he didn't prove it in that last game. And I don't even think Oklahoma had much of an offense. You know, I mean, much of a defense in that game. And he's just giving the ball away. If you donate to the Bears, they're going to make you pay on a neutral field. I like getting five and a half with a team who knows they can turn them over. They're confident. I don't think that yeah. I don't think that what was it, 24 to 14? I don't think that the 24-14 loss is gonna be something where they're kind of gonna come in there a little shook. I think they're gonna go in there and be like, we had the game. We had every opportunity to be competitive. We just did not sustain drives. The crowd was a little bit too much for us. Now I, I'm gonna lean on Bohannon to to go ahead and, and bring us home. And listen. This is a great stat here. Bohannon's, uh, Bohannon in this rushing attack is averaging 227 rush yards per game combined with Bohannon and the running backs. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, for, for Baylor to cover, get a win here, they got to get the running game going, and it's got to yeah. be early and often. Uh, as you said, get some turnovers, establish the ground game, but what a great matchup here. These are two really good teams uh, for the Big 12 title. All right, what's next? Next, Pac-12 championship, another rematch. Number 10, Oregon Ducks. Thing on number 17, Utah Utes. The Utes are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Listen, I'm going to start this one off. Guys, listen, I, I I think that I spot lines, and I feel like, man, this is such a trap. Utah won the game 38-7 to last game, and the books make it minus two-and-a-half. Why would they make it minus two-and-a-half? Not like minus five. You know, sure. it's neutral field, sure, so we get another three. I'm backing Oregon, and – Every part of me was ready to back Utah. I highlighted Utah to start to start the, my uh, my breakdown of this game because I wanted to see if if I was accurate. Oregon, they couldn't get anything going against that game, but you know, it was a road game for them. It was a, a fancy helmet day for Utah, and Utah was super hot coming to that game. 
Oregon came down. They had they had something to lose. Utah had nothing to lose in this game. Oregon has not lost back-to-back games against Utah since 1994. 4-0 in all Pac-12 games. I think that Oregon is the team that really needs to get the game running. We talked about Baylor having to get the, the running game going. Against Utah, Oregon was only averaging uh, 2.1 yard, 2.7 yards per run, and I think that will change. You know, this is the Oregon team who's five and two against the spread as a dog. Let's go over to the Utah side because I do want to highlight them a little bit, and I want to talk about how great of a season they've actually had. Utah making it here was a win. Utah dismantling Oregon thirty-eight to seven was a win. Now there's neutral field. They're going to need a lot from that defense to stop a hungry Oregon team. This has revenge game written all over it. One more little tidbit I'm going to add. Utah 0-4 against the spread in their last four neutral site games. Yeah, see, I, I don't want to do it, and I don't feel good doing it, but I, I'm I'm back in Utah again here. I backed them uh, when we talked about this game a couple of weeks ago. They come up with the big 38-7 win, but that's not why I'm backing them here because – Every bit of this has an Oregon championship written all over it. Revenge game, you know, lines at two and a half after Utah just completely dominated them. This game's going to be much closer. I also think it's going to be a lot higher scoring uh, yeah. than uh, than the experts uh, expect, you know, with this being a neutral site. Playing in Vegas, by the way, playing yeah. at Legion Stadium, which is very exciting. But Utah, what they did in that Oregon game is, again, I'm going back to it. They dominated up front. They dominated the line of scrimmage. Anthony Brown had – Eight yards on nine carries in that game. That cannot happen again because if they shut down him running the ball, then they have no chance in this game because he needs to have that flexibility outside the pocket, also making throws, but also having that running ability. And he had nothing. Utah controlled the clock for over 35 minutes in that game. Ran the ball for over 200 yards. As I said, I think this one is going to be much closer. Can Utah mirror exactly what they did two weeks ago? It's going to be so difficult. To beat a team like Oregon that's that I believe is so much more talented than Utah and to beat them twice is yeah. so difficult, especially when you're not at home. But damn it, I'm going to take Utah again and uh, have, them, <laughs> have them win the rematch. And, I, and I, I'm going to see if they can use the same formula that they did in that last game and just dominate the game up front. So, so far you, uh, you're taking both of the rematches. Uh, so far, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. let's uh let's let's talk more about that later when we get some more rematches <laughs> what do we have next all right so let's go to the acc championship uh which i i haven't been this excited for an acc championship oh God, maybe right? ever we got two we got a really good one here number 16 wake forest number 15 pittsburgh pittsburgh minus three my initial inkling was to take wake forest but i'm going with pittsburgh here Minus three. I'm going with Kenny Pickett, who's thrown at least two touchdowns in every game. This could be a very high-scoring game, by the way. We got yes. Kenny Pickett versus uh, Sam Hartman. But the against-the-spread trends for Pitt, really good. They're 11-3 against the spread in their last 14 games as a favorite. They're 7-2 against the spread in their last nine games overall. So just all season, they've been very good against the spread. Uh, they're a little better on the defensive side of the ball, only allowing 23.2 points per game. But their secondary is awful. I think both quarterbacks are going to throw possibly one for up to, the, up to 300 yards, maybe yes. 400 on, on both sides uh, because the Wake Forest defense also, I mean, just 100th uh, in the nation in total, in, in total defense. I wanted to take Wake Forest here plus three, but the reason that I ended up going to Pitt was just because of the line. Uh, so this was one that I picked mostly because I thought Pitt minus three 
because uh, I feel like feel like Wake Forest is going to be the popular pick. Um, but yeah. but Pitt's been Pitt's been the better team. They've just been a little bit quieter. So I'll go with Pitt here. Listen, um, you know, I wanted to back Wake Forest. I think because I liked Wake Forest more. Uh, but I, I actually ultimately landed on Pittsburgh. Uh, you called it 93 against the spread. They're scoring 40, uh, 43, 44 points per game. Kenny Pickett, this man has over 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's averaging 370 yards per game, going against a passing attack, a passing defense that, listen, this is a passing defense who's allowing 200 yards per game through the air, but they played some very weak quarterbacks. They made DJ Ugalele look like a freaking All-American. I think that Kenny Pickett's going to be able to feast. One thing that uh, that Pat's going to have to do is make sure he gets the running game going because Wake Forest has been awful against the run. Uh, but Pittsburgh, since that Miami loss, was they 4-0 uh, straight up and then 3-1 against the spread? I was in my meeting, and we were talking football, and the, uh, the chairman of the board said something very important when determining you know, how to think about these games from a fan's perspective what do you want to root for or what do you want to see happen in the game? And it started, it really made me start to think about this game from a legacy standpoint. Kenny Pickett broke one of the greatest quarterback of all times records while he was in college this season. This will be Kenny Pickett's last game. I highly doubt he plays in the bowl game. He is going to go out with an absolute bang because that feeling that he felt and I got to see it firsthand because I was inside the press conference. And I stood right next to him and got to see his face when he talked about what it felt like to break a record and lose that exact same game. That's not that's a feeling he's not going to have. And if you have noticed since that game, they have been freaking dynamic. They were before that, but it felt like they had a little bit more drive. I love Pitt this week. It'll probably be a game I write about. I'm probably going to take his uh, player prop in some some aspect. It's going to be a good way to close out his uh, his college career and get him ready for the NFL. Yeah, I uh, I had a feeling that we were going to be on the same side in that one. I think yeah. uh, that that minus three line with Wake Forest being such a popular team this year, I think I think Pitt's the way to go. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and roll through the group of five, my friend. We got the American Athletic Conference Championship game in Cincinnati, Ohio. Number twenty one, Houston. Number four, Cincinnati. Uh, since he is minus ten and a half, I'll go ahead and start here. I'm going to take Cincinnati minus ten and a half. The line hasn't moved at all. Uh, it is double digits. I think that Houston, uh, besides Notre Dame, uh, the hottest and best team that they've played all year, it really comes down to can Clayton Toon get it done against this Cincinnati defense? It's only giving up 15.8 points per game. But the fact that Cincinnati is at home in this one, beating teams at home by an average margin of 32.7 points, their only slip up at home as far as not blowing teams out was the Tulsa game, the 20-20 Tulsa game uh, a couple of weeks back. But with everything on the line in Cincinnati at home, I think this UC team is for real. Uh, I never said that that they weren't, um, but I, I, you know, I, I think as a group of five team, I think they finished the job. Uh, I think they win this game by fourteen. I'm taking the the, the Cougars. Um, listen, the Cougars have a good defense, very good defense, only allowing eighteen points per game. Uh, their rushing defense is what really phenomenal, and Cincinnati relies heavily on the run game. Uh, with Jerome Ford and the legs of Desmond Ritter. I think that Clayton Toon, he had his adversity in the beginning of the season. And since then, he's been uh, freaking phenomenal for Holgram. Uh, Cincinnati, two and four against spread in their last six. I, I wish the game wasn't at Nippert because I even wrote games at Nippert. 
makes me nervous. <laughs> and I wish it wasn't there because uh, it does make me sick to my stomach to think about. But I think that if there were any team on, on today's schedule who they should be afraid of, it'd be Houston. Because one of the main reasons that none of these teams were able to knock off Cincinnati was not because of how how magnificent Cincinnati's offense is. Because I don't think there's anything magnificent about Cincinnati's offense at all. Desmond Ritter is a timid quarterback who would rather take a big loss than throw the ball away. Uh, Jerome Ford is a – I'm not disrespecting Jerome Ford at all. Uh, he's a good running back, but he he is coming off an injury. Um, you know, I'm going to see what happens to this Cincinnati offense against a good defense. And then on, on vice versa, um, but Sauce Gardner is, is hurt. Um, do they target Sauce Gardner a lot? I think that I would write an entire playbook getting sauce chipped moved and everything i don't need to throw at him i want him to be involved in as many tackles early on in the game because when you have rib injury or whatever they're calling it that's painful that lingers just get a couple knocks on him slow him down you don't need to throw at him to start the game you need to be involved in the, in the action and i think any good coach can can go ahead and and game plan for that i hate taking double digit dogs because recently i've been really bad at them but well with outside of Arkansas and, uh, and Auburn, uh, but I have I mean, on the right fair, side. We were talking so. about a lot of three score uh, spreads, yeah. so ten and a half so, is nothing. But so we'll see what happens. All right, what's next? Next we have the Sun Belt. Uh, this game is interesting to me. It's Appalachian State minus two and a half yeah. versus Louisiana. I was like, why two and a half? Like, is it because of the Billy Napier news? And like, I, I just feel like, God, I, I'm so confused about this game. But I'm just gonna back Louisiana. You know, I'm taking the points with Louisiana. They have a better defense. I don't care about statistics because um, some of the stuff that I'm going to say is not doesn't isn't backed up by statistics. Um, they have a better defense and a better offense. They have a better quarterback. They have a better scheme. The stats will tell you, like if you, if you just watch box scores, you know, uh, you look at Appalachian State, they're like, yeah, they have a way way more pro- prolific offense. That's false. Um, Lima Lewis is is a phenomenal player, and I, I think in my notes up here it says something like. Listen, better offense, better coach, better quarterback. I, I, I had to really look at this game because I was I, I think I was overthinking it. I was like, this line is funky, like minus plus two and a half. I'd rather see minus two and a half on Louisiana and I take Appalachian State at plus two and a half, you know? So and also one more tidbit I'm gonna put about this game. Appalachian State is two and four against the spread in their last six against Louisiana. Um the only way the only reason that I can honestly say that I would back Appalachian State um is because I'd follow the money. The public's on Louisiana. The public's on App- Appalachian State. But I, I just don't see enough. I don't trust enough. And I think that this is a good send-off for uh, Napier. I, I do get worried about that. You know, how much focus did he have this week? But whatever. They said he's going to coach. I think he's going to try to do his best. Yeah, I mean, it's Billy Napier's last game. I, of course, I'm going to take Louisiana here. Uh, I, I I think they do it from him. I think we see a really spirited performance here from Levi Lewis. Uh, Louisiana just has a dominant run defense. App State is the hotter team coming in, you could yes. argue, because they've just been blowing teams away. Um and then just to reference their matchup, uh, the only matchup of the year here, uh, Louisiana beat App State 41-14, to but App State turned the ball over four times in that game. Louisiana knows that they can get them to turn the ball yes. over. Um, and, you know, here they've they've got the game at home. Yeah, it, it, it feels a little weird with App State being minus two and a half, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take those points. I think this could be a one-point game. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're on the same side as me. Uh, let's go to the Mountain West. Uh, Utah State taking on number 19, San Diego State. Five and a half point spread. I'll start this one off. Miles, I wanted to follow. Um, I wanted to fade the public, but uh, I, I think I ended up 
be on the same side as the public uh, in San Diego State. Uh, listen, Utah State has been hot, but I, I just can't. You know, I've only watched Utah State a handful of times, and the the memory that I'm that's sticking to me is that Wyoming game. Was it wasn't yeah. Wyoming yet where, where they yeah, got ab- absolutely demolished. I've watched a lot of San Diego State games, and the reason I highlighted Utah State at first is because San Diego State's offense has gone awful, man. It's it, it makes my stomach hurt to oh, watch. Horrible. But um, Utah State against good defenses this year have not been very successful. I think uh, three of the four covers that they didn't have, that they didn't cover, uh, were against really good defenses. So I'm going to go ahead and back San Diego State minus, uh, what is it, minus five and a half. Yeah, we're on the same side here. Uh, San Diego State minus five and a half. I don't want to overthink this one too much. Uh, San Diego State is 10-0 and 0, uh, when holding opponents under 30 points. Uh, and I just think there's too much that has to go right for Utah State yeah. in order for them to cover this spread or even stay in the game uh, because San Diego State's defense has just been so dominant. The number two run defense in the entire country, only behind Wisconsin. Uh, they forced three turnovers last week in a big win against Boise State. Big comeback win. Yeah, big big comeback win. Um, you know, you, Utah State has the offense, but I'm going to go with the team that's just been running the conference this year, and that's yes. San Diego State. I think they dominate this game up front. I think five and a half is actually a pretty low number for that. I think they win the game by eight or nine. Wow, All right. man, that's exciting. Let's Tell go to the MAC championship. Uh, this is going to be a good one. We got Kent State in Northern Illinois, uh, another rematch. They had a wild 52 to 47 game earlier yes. this year uh, where Kent State came away with the win. Keep in mind, the MAC championship is neutral field in Detroit, yeah. uh, Ford Field. I'll go ahead and start on this one. The, out of the 10, this is the one I went back and forth on the most. At the end of the day, I settled on Kent State minus three and a half because I'm going with the number one offense in the MAC, averaging yes. 490 yards per game. And in that game against Northern Illinois, 360 rushing yards, 322 passing yards. Uh, but keep in mind, Northern Illinois also played really well in that game. Rocky Lombardi threw for like 550 yards and five touchdowns. I mean, it just, it just wild. I don't think we're going to see a game like that. Uh, but with Kent State's offense, one of the quickest offenses in the country and yeah. not having to deal with the elements, I think is a huge advantage for them playing this game indoors. Um, and finally, Northern Illinois, they have one interception on the season, which is yeah. dead last in college football. They can't, they can't force the uh, turnovers. So uh, I like Kent State here, who, by the way, was my pick to win this division, not my pick to win the conference, but my pick to win the division. Well done. I, I, I listen. I think that I even. I think this is starting to bring back memories where I said I don't think that Northern Illinois is that good. They're just somehow just always in the mix, you know. Like, yeah. And, and that's the uh, basically a lot of my analysis off this. Like their defense is not good. Um, their offense is on the shoulders of a guy who, you know, is trying to resurrect his career after <laughs> after leaving the the Power Five. I'm going with Kent State. You know, four and one against spread in their last five. It is a this is a funny uh, a trend that I found too that I really liked. Uh, Kent State is four nine and four against the spread in their last thirteen, following a straight up win. So you know they don't let wins get to their head. They still go in there and they pile it up indoors, neutral site, neutral field. I'm liking Kent State a lot, and I'm just gonna stick by my guns. Like sometimes when you're talking about conferences like the MAC conference, you just have to if you think a team is not that good and they're not as deserving as a championship spot, you have to fade them. Whether the public is on them, whether the sharps are on them, whether you want to or whether you not, you just have to trust your gut. Um, so I, I'm back in Kent State here with confidence. I, I highlight this one and put it in red. All right, I like it. Uh, we're on the same side of that one. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. The Conference USA Championship, another great matchup, by the way. We got Western Kentucky 
uh, and UTSA uh, on Friday night. Western Kentucky here on the road. Two and a half point favorites. Lay it on me. <laughs> oh, my God, Miles. Listen, when I was looking at this game, I'll tell you. Let me take a sip of water real fast because I'm going to talk real fast. When I was looking at this game, I was like, holy crap, Western Kentucky is the hottest team yep. in college football right now. How do I not back them? Look, freaking UTSA just got destroyed by North Texas, 23 to uh, 45. I am backing UTSA. I am not going to take the two biggest public favorites in college football on conference championship weekend in Western Kentucky is number two at 78%. I'm backing UTSA. I don't care if the spread was 50 or, or plus two and a half. I'm not going against my principal in multiple games and taking the two biggest the two biggest uh, public bet favorites. Yes, I'm, I'm fired up that we're on the same side here. I'm also going with UTSA. As you said, Western Kentucky, you could argue, is the hottest team in college football coming in. And, and a lot of this spread is just off of what we saw last week where yeah. UTSA loses that game to North Texas 45-23. But that game didn't mean anything. It's not like they were on their way to a New Year's Six Bowl if they went undefeated. They were just trying to keep their players healthy, get out of that game, and get to this one where they're at home in the Alamo Dome for the yeah. conference. Um, I think this is especially – with so much public money on Western Kentucky, they got the number one passing attack in college football. Um, what they have done there and the turnaround that they have had uh, has been awesome. UTSA in the first meeting, this is another rematch, UTSA won that game 52-46. to 46, And then after that, Western Kentucky ripped off seven consecutive wins where they just rolled. Destroyed people. Rolled through their opponents. But <laughs> it all comes back around here. And for very similar reasons, my friend, I am also backing – UTSA. Yes, let's go, Miles. The weekend's here. I can't wait to. Uh, I don't really do this often, but what I'm going to do for this, I'm going to put together a little parlay um, with the alt lines and where I see different things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on Twitter for everyone. I'm so excited, Miles. Let's go. Guys, thank you so much to listening to What's the Spread. It's been an amazing college football season. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Mr. Brad Thomas. You want to follow Miles, it's at Miles Markowitz. Oh, wait, no. At Miles on Sports. <laughs> That's what you call me. Yeah, if you want to follow What's the Spread, it's at What's the Spread underscore. If you're listening on YouTube, press the subscribe and like button and be sure to download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Best of luck, guys.